Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lori Clark Show. This episode of my podcast is brought to you with the help of ZoomUs, a video and audio conferencing interface. It's important to know that I'm in no way sponsored by Zoom. I just want to tell you how much I love it. Um, it is very reliable, easy to use, and provides excellent audio and video files that my team and I produce to share the power of story with you. Another non-sponsored, couldn't do without, but just have to tell you how good it is, is Squarespace. When they say it is the all-in-one platform, it really is true. I go into the back end of my website multiple times a day, adjust things, post podcast, add links, and look at our show's analytics, which all sync across my devices. And when I need an image, Squarespace provides an excellent resource that's powered by Unsplash. Now for my most favorite feature, the Squarespace app. Um, Being a working mom, there never seems to be enough time in my day. So when my daughter's in ballet, I sit in my car and upload, post, and manage everything on my website from the app. It's really cool and seamless. Squarespace is really, really simple and very dedicated to helping me create a brand of excellence. So with that, Big shout out to Zoom, Squarespace, and Unsplash. Thank you for helping me tell people's stories. With that said, let's move on to the best part about today, the show. Please allow me to welcome my next guest on The Lori Clark Show. Welcome, Julie. Julie Polson is here with me today. She's 39 years old and has a bachelor's in exercise science and was a personal trainer for 16 years. She is now a mother to two twin boys that are five years old and is here to us, with us today to talk about breast implant illness. She is now an educator for this illness because she has experienced this and that is why she's with us today. You know, many women, in fact, Julie was telling me that in her Facebook group, there are 95,000 women just like Julie who have joined together, creating a community to share their experiences. And here's the thing, like Julie, everyone has two things in common. They're all sick with similar symptoms and they all had breast implants. And I would like to add that these women have no reason to make symptoms up. They have no reason to, you know, um, to not be heard. This is something that everyone is experiencing. And there's a group of people, 95,000 strong, that are experiencing this. Today, we get a gift to listen to Julie as she goes through her story. And we're going into major detail here. So just get your coffee, get your tea, sit back (laughs) and relax. Because, yeah, Julie's got our huge water. Um, Because guess what? We are going to break this down. Julie, welcome. Thank you, Lori. I'm so excited. I'm excited to have you. I, I, you know, this is really neat. So I want to start like we got to start at the top. Sure. Um, let's talk about what is breast plant illness? It is a illness caused by the medical device of breast implants. 
which are in a silicone shell, all of them, both silicone implants, saline, both have silicone shells. And it starts to wreak havoc on our immune systems. And slowly, sometimes quickly, symptoms start to appear from having a chemical soup of over 40 chemicals put in your body that don't belong there. And, and keep in mind, Julie, like when the, when you have a breast implant, it's contained, Yes. but the, it's the, it's the silicone container, like the, the, the actual shell of the implant. And so the body thinks it's, it's bad news. It goes, what, what's this? Yes. Um, according to Anthony William, the medical medium, He did a a podcast actually on this and he says that your liver has its own immune system. So a lot of the things I'm going to quote are from him just to let you know. Sure. I don't have a medical background in it, but he says that the minute your implants are put in your liver with its own unique immune system begins to work on breaking down the foreign object within minutes of having them put in your body. It already identifies the foreign object and starts to break it down. And when did you start noticing symptoms? I think it's hard for me to remember that far back, but I would say within the first year or two. And and because there's an awareness, you were able to go back in hindsight and go, okay, like, you know, what can you remember what your first symptom was? Um, I started to feel more fatigued, which I was also getting more into my career as a personal trainer, working more hours. It was more demanding. So, of course, you just chalk it up to, oh, it's because I'm working more. I'm waking up early. I'm working later hours. It's so, And that's the thing. Like When women say, I don't have any symptoms, it's not that they don't. It's that they're thinking it's just other things in life. It's very easy to do that. Well, the symptom isn't coming on fast and strong. Like all of a sudden you're, you know, you're totally dizzy and you can't walk or something. It's, are you saying it's just a slow leaching in and would be more of an allergy almost? Yes. And that's probably more common for women. There are some women that feel very sick within three months of getting them, especially the the more toxic brand of implants. Um, But the majority of us, Yes, it's a very slow process. So you kind of dismiss the things that are happening. Like my thyroid's a little off balance, but I'm getting older or I'm more fatigued. You know, it's because I'm working more. I'm a mom now or, you know, you can always think of something else. Um, And then when you get to the point where I did, where it was, you know, utter illness, then it's like, oh, well, now that I'm learning about this and I'm aware, now I can see that it had started you know, years prior, but I had no idea of what was causing it. Can you bring us to, like, how did you, how did you get here? How did you get to this place where you're talking to me about this? What happened? Let's start from the beginning and just walk us through. Yeah, it's interesting. So the Facebook group is not mine. It's um, called Breast Implant Illness and Healing by Nicole. So... I think someone actually added me to the group or maybe I found it probably about two years ago. I don't know what I was Googling, (laughs) what I was looking for back then, but somehow I came across this group. So I had been a member 
for about two years and I completely dismissed it when I first joined. I was just like, I don't have breast implant illness, whatever. Stayed within the group, didn't pay attention to any of the posts or notifications. In fact, I probably turned them off. And then um, as I started getting sicker and I got to like the really, really bad point last year, I started to pay more attention to it. And I was looking at it again and really like diving into it, reading some of the stories and what the group was about. Because you were searching. I was searching. Because you had symptoms that were causing you concern. Yes. What were those symptoms? Well, it started um, on Easter. I still remember it was on Easter um, of last year, so 2018. And we had come home from my in-law's house. And I was sitting on the couch, as I do every single night. Not anymore, but I used to. Before kids? Before all this happened. And I would always drink, I would make a protein shake every night and drink it on the couch as part of my, our like downtime, you know? So I was drinking my protein shake, watching TV with my husband, and I noticed that my heart was, I felt like it was beating really fast, and I was taking a lot more, like I couldn't catch my breath. I was like taking more deep breaths because my heart was beating fast, and I, I said something to my husband. I said, I feel like my heart is beating really fast, and that was the first day that it really, you know, now you have my attention. <laughs> now this is not just digestive issues or thyroid numbers being off. Like we're talking about my heart now. Um, and it was kind of a slow process from, so that would have been in April. And then starting in May, um, I started getting attacks in the middle of the night where my heart would start racing. So my heart became the main issue of random racing moments on, you know, even when I'm laying down at rest and then I would have these episodes every now and then in the middle of the night, usually between like one and 3 a.m. where I would wake up. So I've been asleep for hours. I would wake up and my heart would start racing like 200 beats a minute in the middle of the night when I've been laying there for hours. And it would go on for what felt like an hour, maybe two hours sometimes. And I, I thought I was dying. I couldn't get it calmed down. I had no idea why it was happening. Oh, man. And so then, of course, you would go to the doctor. Yes, they did. And? They couldn't, you know, during the day, I was okay. So when they would listen to my heart during the day, they check my blood pressure, you know, they run labs, everything was fine. And so this went on and on and on. And they kind of think, you know, they, they threw out the word anxiety to me probably eight times. And I said, listen, like, I'm a health professional. I know my body very well. I've actually had anxiety in the past. I know what it feels like. I don't have anxiety anymore. And so they would just throw out this word at me. And you, know, you only have 10 minutes with them when you're in there. So then they, if, if you told them that, I don't think it's anxiety. Well, you know, maybe it's your gut. Why don't you add some fiber? I think you should, here's a prescription for an anxiety medicine. And I prescribe that you start adding more fiber to your diet. Well, and they would be thinking too, like, of course you're in denial, right? You know, oh, you have anxiety. No, I don't. Yeah. Right. Make you feel like you're crazy. A lot of women say that because they, they try to make it sound like it's all in your head, but if they would see what was going on in the middle of the night, you know, they would know that I'm not just there 
Well, and it's not that doctors are the enemy. It's more that this isn't something that is at this point understood. It's it's it presents mystery illness, mystery symptoms that if the blood isn't showing it, if you know, if they do tests and there's the test, then where do you put this? And that's the problem is there's no test that a doctor can do other than checking their checklist. You know, I'm checking her cholesterol. I'm checking her blood pressure. I'm checking all these things and she's checking out fine. So it's got to be in her head, but they just don't have a way to find it. So it's not necessarily their fault that they're dismissing it. You know, the FDA said the implants are safe. So why would a doctor think that they are not? So it's kind of a battle between, no, I'm telling you, these are my symptoms. And they're showing you the medical side saying, well, on paper, you look fine. Right. But, but physically and emotionally, now you're not sleeping. Now you're getting, uh, you know, and, and this is the thing, it compounds, right? If you're having, if you're having palpitations or heart racing in the middle of the night, then the next night you go to sleep, you're immediately going to go, okay, is it going to happen again? Right. And now, now you're anticipating and it creates this crazy cycle you're not sleeping. You're probably not, you know, in your full rest. And now you are full of anxiety. Yeah. And it didn't happen every night. Oh. In fact, probably was sometimes once every six weeks. Sometimes it would happen twice in a week. I couldn't find any rhyme or reason. I kept thinking it's got to be something that I'm eating, something that, you know, so I, I started like tracking what I was eating and like trying to keep everything the same so I could pinpoint what was causing it. You know, like it's got to be that I ate almonds today, you know, (laughs) or something like that. I just, I tried so hard to find the rhyme or reason. Like it must just be something that is not agreeing with my body that I'm eating. And eventually they sent me to a cardiologist. They sent me home. I did an echocardiogram. They sent me home with a halter monitor that monitored me for 24 hours. But of course it didn't catch it because it didn't happen while I had it on. So... And this is the thing, the medical community is taking it seriously. They're, they're, they're testing you. They're giving you what fits in their study, what fits in their education, what they know to be true. But again, it is what it is. And it's happening to 95,000 people at this point, um, which is growing, by the way, right? When you started... With when you went into the Facebook community um, about this topic, um, how many people were there? I remember there were forty six thousand women, and there are and how many now? It was May of last year, and now it's ninety five thousand. A little over a year later. Wow. All right, so you're experiencing this. Here we go. Now, what are you doing? You've you've been to the doctor. They're not, they're doing what they can do, but you're not falling into something that they know. You're not falling into this category of, oh, it's definitely this. And it's probably anxiety, but you know, question mark. Move us down the line. Yeah. So it started with my heart. That was the main thing. And then as the months kind of continued, Then uh, my kidney started flaring up. And so I got sent to a kidney specialist who did ultrasound in my kidneys. He did lab work. I had to see him several times. 
and everything looked fine. And he said, all of the patients that I see would love to have your kidneys, but they were swollen. I do yoga and I couldn't do any kind of back bends. I couldn't lay on my stomach on the floor up on my elbows and read books to my boys because it hurt to just arch my back that far with how swollen and inflamed my kidneys were. But on a lab, everything came back normal. So he had no way to help me. <laughs> and, are this, so, and at this point, are you just thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm losing my marbles. I've got to be losing something here. I didn't know. I never questioned if it was me mentally. I knew it was real, but I was getting scared of how am I going to keep my body going? I don't know what I'm fighting against and no one has answers for me. So I turned to several natural paths, actually turned down a couple of them, finally found two that were able to help me. One that looked more at my blood work and one that was more a hands-on healer. And he's the one, the second one was the one that was really concerned about my kidneys because he would try to adjust that part of my spine um, with a chiropractic adjustment and he couldn't even touch me. He couldn't rotate me. He couldn't push on that part of my spine because my kidneys were so inflamed. And he also could feel that my liver was very swollen. And so I knew my organs were, I felt like my organs were starting to fail and I would feel good after he would treat me, but it would only last at the most 24 hours. And then they would be right back to where they were. So I started seeing him three times a week. Uh, I got a red light therapy panel for our house, which helps inflammation. I was doing that every day. I felt like I had this team of people that were trying to hold me together as I'm doing all my due diligence on my end. And it just felt like it just kept growing and growing and growing. It was becoming harder and harder to like hold my body together to function. And I was getting worried because I'm like, is this going to be the rest of my life? I can't keep going to these people three days a week, all these appointments and all this time I'm spending at home trying to do things just to like keep me going. I didn't even feel good. It's not that I fight. Well, and you're a mom. Yeah. You have other responsibilities and a lot of times, you know, and you're thinking, I'm thinking like, that must have been very expensive. And, you yes. know, and if you're not feeling well, then you're tr you're not as present as you need to be with your boys, with your friends, with your family, with yourself. Your focus is on what's wrong with me rather than, you know, bringing in the flow and, and, and balancing yourself. It completely consumed my mind. Every day, I felt like every minute I was trying to figure out what is wrong with me. I had no energy for my children. I felt like I was failing them. All I could do at home was lay down. I wouldn't sleep necessarily, but I just felt like I couldn't even move. So I would just lay on the couch by them and try to do things with them on the couch. I'm like, at the time, I'm 38. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm a 38-year-old mom that's active and, you know, fit. Why Why am I so tired? Why am I so fatigued? Um, okay, so then what? what happened after that? So I had been looking at this Facebook group more and more. And as the months went on, I heard... God speak to me and he whispered breast implant illness. And the first time I ignored it, he waited a little longer. A couple more months have went by. I'm trying to control everything. You know, I'm trying to control all oh, my healing and that I just haven't found the right person to help me. And I'm still doing all this busy work, you know, trying to keep going. And he whispers it to me again, breast implant illness. 
and I dismissed it a second time. And then continue on, busy work, trying to stay alive, trying to stay functioning. And he said it a third time. And that time I listened. And my husband is a believer as well. And so I waited until the kids went to bed and I brought it up to him. I said, you know, babe, do you think that this could have been caused from my breast implants? And he said, oh my gosh, Julie, it's your implants. Are you still there? Sorry. Mm -hmm. No, and Julie, um, and just so our viewers know, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, that was just a little moment there and that's okay. Cause we like that. This is really, this is real. The, you know, Julie's in Arizona, I'm in Vancouver and we're, we're, we're having a conversation. Uh, this is what happens. I've got people in my house, a dog outside, a train going by and, uh, Julie's phone is going to go on and off. <laughs> Keep going. But yeah. Um, so your husband's and, a believer and, and he said, in that moment when he confirmed it, I finally listened and I finally knew I had my answer. And he said, why didn't we think of this before? You've done everything else. You've been to so many doctors, some with no answers, some that have just told you what's wrong, like your liver's inflamed, your kidneys inflamed, you know, things like that. But we hadn't got to the root of the problem. And in that moment, I knew what I needed to do. Then what did you do? The next morning, I called one of the doctors in Arizona that was on the recommendation list from the Facebook group and made an appointment for my consultation. And how did that go? Like, how does that work? So if somebody's listening right now and they're in the middle of this, this part of the story and they start Googling, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, you know, people are going to listen and they're going to do at the same time. That's yeah. the way we get to live now. What what what's the what is the process of a consultation and um, yeah this is really for them to hear so that's why I send everyone to that Facebook group it's such a huge resource because they have done their due diligence on the doctors that deserve to be on that list not every doctor don't go to your plastic surgeon that put them in because not every doctor believes in breast implant illness believes in these symptoms and will take them out correctly. And you will not heal if you don't go to someone that believes and will take them out correctly. This is huge. That's your, that's our first takeaway from you, Julie. That's the first takeaway that we talked about in the green room before where we said, this is what we're going to do. Um, there, if, if people are interested as they're listening, as they're watching, and this is, we got to talk about your intuitive sense, though. You you were saying it was you heard God whisper to you. He nudged me. And <laughs> some people might go, oh, I don't believe in God. OK, so if they don't believe in God, then it's a thought package in your head. It's a voice that is outside of you that says, hey. And it's so quiet. I've experienced what you've what you're talking about. It's so quiet and calm. You have to be quiet in order to listen and to hear this. But when it comes, the 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 gift of that voice is profound. And oftentimes it comes when you don't want it to come. Like you, Julie, you said, ah, what? No. <laughs> right? I'm not hearing. You're not ready to hear it. Mm. Yeah. 
And that is uh, a key piece of advice that I give to people. So what's typically, what will happen is we all go through our checklist. So I heard the voice. I said, no, I'm not ready to listen. And I tried to prove it wrong. I was like, no, I'm going to go through the checklist and go to the doctor and have every lab and every test and every scan done so that I can prove it's something else because I'm not ready to hear you yet. And that's what most women do. They will go through the checklist and spend thousands of dollars trying to prove that it can't be anything else but this. Why? Because we don't want it to be. If you spent the money to get implants, you don't want it to be the reason for your illness and you don't want to get them out. Well, and would you also, I, I can't speak to this, I'm asking you, and of course, this is we're no, what your answer is and how we talk about this isn't judgment on anyone else. This is your experience and I'm asking you the question of, okay, so would you have said that you were defined by the appearance of what that made you look like what you felt like with implants like why would there be resistance to you not listening is it because you 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 spent the money is it only because you spent the money or is it a more greater sense of no i i felt like i wanted to change this part of my body i wanted to have those feminine curves because maybe i was lacking or whatever how does that work for you me personally i was not defined by them okay in fact and talk about it later. Yeah. But really found a new sense of self once I had them removed. It was a very interesting process to me. Okay. Some women are defined by them. Um, for me, I got them because I'm in the fitness industry. I was a figure competitor. Everything is about symmetry. So I didn't flaunt them. I what you know, that's not kind of the, the person that I am. So they didn't define me. But you just think about what will my husband think? You know, like I've nursed twins. What's the end result going to be? Am I going to be happy? It well, wasn't really. And, and we think about it too. Like I, I've had four children. Look, they get big and then it goes down. But the skin, you could wrap that skin around your neck for goodness sakes, right? Right. Your nipple is perky, but everything else around it looks like it's just this shriveled and you're like, what happened? <laughs> I yeah. had some really great things here. <laughs> I mean, right? So some it's, people, it just, it's, there's a scale, I would say, right? Sure. Every woman is going to have a different experience with that and emotions to go along with it. All right. So we got the intuitive sense. It, you wait a little bit. You yeah. ignore it. Yep, go ahead. I I just wanted to add one piece to that, how we kind of ignore the voice. Yeah. I like a lot of us do that until we hit rock bottom, unfortunately. But that's how the process goes a lot of the times. You try to control everything yourself. And finally, when you're almost at rock bottom or at rock bottom is when you throw your hands up. And that's when you're willing to listen. So that's the process that a lot of women go through. Well, and it's the it's the bat to the head, right? It's like, I'm going to kindly give you advice. I'm going to kindly send you a little message. I'm going to, you know, you're going to be on a Facebook page that you maybe not don't want to be on or whatever. You're There's a level of interaction that is being dismissed. And then the bat comes and says, wham, 
wake up, wake up. And for you, you woke up. Yeah, it took me a while. But once I heard it and my husband gave me that confirmation that I needed, I was 100% dead set. This is it. This is what I need to do. You got the consultation. Um, and like you said, if you're looking for a consultation, it's important to maybe not go to the person that, that, that the plastic surgeon, find someone who knows what they're doing in terms of the extraction. Yeah. So it's called an explant. Explant. A lot of people don't want explant is, but you know, you implant them or you explant them. So explant is taking them out and the important part for the healing, and this is where it takes a skilled surgeon that has this skill set, is you have to remove the capsules. The capsule is the scar tissue that naturally forms around the implant, your body trying to protect itself. And so the capsules contain a lot of the toxins, some people, bacteria, fungus, things that the implant could possibly be leaking. Not all leak, but fungus? I'm saying if some have a leak, the capsule pretty well yes. contains all those pathogens from the rest of your body. Thank you, Lord, for making our body so amazing, right? Um, a lot of the, you know, if, if you just went to everyday surgeon, they would leave those capsules in because the talent and the skill comes and replaced in taking out the capsule. That It's a tedious, tedious process. So you need someone that's done it thousands of times and knows what they're doing. And they can get all of it out. Because if you leave some of that tissue behind or you just open it and let all those contaminants go into your bloodstream, you're not going to heal. All the pathogens are still right there. So you have to go to someone that can either do, they call it a full end block, which means they remove the capsule and the implant as one piece. Or a full capsulectomy, which means a skilled surgeon removes the implant first and then removes all the capsules secondly. I just, I'm, I'm pausing there because that is very, very important to know. The first surgeon I went to said, oh, we can just remove them in the office under general anesthesia. So whoa, no, whoa, right whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not someone that is going to take out the capsule. They want to just make a small incision, pull your implant out and sew you back up and send you on your way. But, but it's I connected. That. I would I would never have thought in my mind that you could just like, you know, I mean, think about like a sliver or like stuff. Your body, like you said, it, it, it forms around it. So you go pull that out. What what would they what damage would would happen? You're basically, like, open a, you know, a garbage bag full of stuff all, to run all throughout your bloodstream. So if any surgeon says that you can walk out of the office right then and there because that's not who you're looking And for. is that what you did? I didn't know at the time what I was looking for. So this is it was in the beginning of my illness. I had asked him. I said, do you think my implants could be making me sick? Because I still, this was like early on. I still didn't know. And he said, I don't know. They could be. We could just take them out in the office, you know, and if you feel better in a couple months, then you know. If you don't feel any different, then we can put another set back in. <laughs> we'll just change the tires. You know what? We'll just we'll just change the tires in the car. Tire oil change, whatever. No, no, and no. Wow. Okay. So then you went to you went to another doctor. Yeah. 
I learned all this from the Facebook group. So that's why I'm so thankful for that group and why I send so many people there is because I would not have known any of that was important if it wasn't for that group. But we know, Julie, that knowledge is power. Sure. Especially when there's a collaboration and it's a collective. That's there because everyone's experiences pool together and you can see the common thread of 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 really what rings true, what's true, what's not true. Um, you went through how many consultations to get to the person that you felt was important and would be the person to help you with the explant? I only went to a, a, one other one. So my second one was my doctor. She was two over two hours away from me, but I chose to drive to her versus the other doctors in the area because she became, she was so highly recommended on the group. It's a female. She had her implants removed. Her assistant had her implants removed and she believed in breast implant illness. And that was key to me. I knew I could trust her. I knew she didn't think I was crazy. And I knew that she would perform the explant correctly in order for me to heal. So it was worth the two hour drive. Well, and she's been through it. Yeah. You know, for me, well, there's certain things that are important and I know you know, but for me, I, I go, well, if if you've had it happen to you, then you know and you can relate on some level. You know, uh, that always makes it easier. Okay, so then how long after the consultation were you um, scheduled for surgery? Sure. So that's another important key was normally, if this is becoming so popular, especially with the doctors on the list, that they're getting booked out for like a year now. I was lucky because, again, the group was at 46000 when I started my process. So my consultation was scheduled for three months out. And then my surgery was scheduled for about three or four months out after that. Um, I got put on a waiting list because I said, I'm not sure that my kidneys are going to make it that long. So I got put on a waiting list for people that canceled, and luckily I got in sooner. And I just had my year anniversary on September 14th. Ah, congratulations. Thank you. But a lot of people, when they're calling, you know, I urge them to call. I said, just call and make the appointment. Even if your mind isn't made up, call and make the appointment because you could be looking at another year wait and another year of sickness by the time you get to that surgery date. Well, and things could get worse because the body is, is, is working very hard. And there's a limit. Sure. And I felt like my limit was very near. I, I wasn't sure how much longer I could hold on and wait for that date. But I, in the research that I did, a lot of people talk about that feeling of maybe I'm dying. Most of us in the Facebook group, that's how we describe it. I literally, I felt like I was dying. I could put on the front, you know, take my kids to school. I still tried to go to the gym. But it was like this dark cloud was hanging over my head. I knew I wasn't myself. I knew I had more joy inside of me, but I couldn't show it. It hurt to smile, not because my, you know, something wrong with my face, but it took energy to smile. You know, it wasn't natural. Uh, just like I said, the laying on the couch, I just, I felt like my battery was empty. I had nothing left. Well, you didn't have that. Uh, your emotion was outside of yourself. Almost. Right? Like, it's like you're not able to be who you are. Yeah. And that's what I, I had mentioned earlier was it, it didn't define me. I knew who I was, but it was like, 
something was clouding that and I couldn't shine through. Well, and that's uh, one of the symptoms was brain is brain fog, right? Is yeah. like the brain fog and, and a lot of things are misdiagnosed because um, for other symptoms like, you know, anxiety or whatever, you, you know, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not always, it's not always what you think. So then in that period of time, how did you bring peace into your life? If you are a woman that's listening to this right now and she's waiting for her surgery and the symptoms are still present and there's still that unrest and the body's going, okay, yeah, 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 get it out, get it out, get it out. How do you offer support and peace to that woman? Keep your faith strong, for sure. That's what got me through it. Um, and as I mentioned, I'm a, a big follower of the medical medium and his healing protocols. And one thing that, you know, I get that question a lot from people that follow me and my story on Instagram and Facebook. What can I do, Julie, until I get to my surgery date? Because it's six months away or four months away. And the number one thing I tell them that I wish I would have had this tool when I was feeling that way is drink 16 ounces of celery juice every morning because what's happening is all of their livers are struggling. All of them that have these symptoms, it's the liver, the liver. It is a, it is a, a component of their sickness is, you know, listen, as I say, component, there's a lot of components. I I'm hear saying. You. So their liver is bogged down with these toxins and the immune system of your liver trying to fight the implant. And I'm telling you, if they would drink 16 ounces of straight celery juice, no pulp, no lemon added to it on an empty stomach every morning and wait 30 minutes to eat or drink anything else, it will help their liver clear out some of these toxins and they will feel better. They will feel like some life is being renewed into them. That would have been a huge tool for me had I known about it back then. You did not do it uh, yourself in that time frame. I didn't because I didn't hear about Anthony Williams, the medical medium, until two months after my surgery. But then you used his protocol to detoxify yourself. I did. Okay. I, too, am a follower of... Uh, I, I love it. I, I'm just, I'm like, that's why we drive, you know, like I, I bought it and I, you know, and, and some people are like, oh my goodness, what, you know, that's weird or, you know, you get everybody's response. And I, I, I'm at this point where I don't care. I don't care. I, I have experienced a difference. I have fatigue. I have adrenal fatigue. Um, and again, it's something that the community, the medical community does not actually, uh, acknowledge. And in fact, you know, I've had it where they say, uh, you're depressed. And I was like, me, <laughs> no, no, no. I know that I am not depressed. I know that I've had four kids. I've had stress in my life and I'm exhaustified like big time. And I started drinking that celery juice and it cha- it did change my life. It was crazy. I and now I go buy celery and the prices, you know, double because <laughs> probably of Anthony, right? It's like, man, I want to grow it in my garden, but 
Yeah, it's it's excellent. I actually have on my website um, a blog post about the different. I do my celery juice in the morning, and then I also do um, a mid morning juice with celery juice and cucumber and beets, and you know, just fill it up with blueberries and then drink it. It's it does change the course of your of your day. With this though, so you're saying that you would detoxify. Some, but you can't detoxify until you actually get the capsules removed and the whole deal. No, and I was trying, coming into this, I was trying to think of a good analogy to help the listeners and viewers understand today. This is the best I could come up with. I thought about it like if you have a weed in your garden, and my dad taught me how to pull weeds correctly, right? You don't just pull it off at the top. You have to dig down pull it out. and get the roots out, right? So there's a lot of things you can do to help your body heal. Celery juice is one of them. Help get some of those toxins out of you. You know, you can do the red light therapy like I did. You can get your gut in check from the, the natural path. But if you don't remove that root, the root of the problem, you're never going to be 100%. But that's like everything. You know, you can be, you can have an anger issue. If you don't get to the bottom of, uh, and the root of the bottom of what that cause is, you know, you're, there will, it will always be coming back. This is, this is the process that humans are, it's almost like everyone has one of those things in their life where they're like, I got to get to the root of that. It's just, it is what it is. And this is no different. Um, You know, you had your surgery. Anything to suggest before if somebody's worried? There's people out there that don't want to have their implants removed because they are now afraid of surgery or whatever. They're worried. What do you say to that? You're going to be so grateful (laughs) (laughs) that you did. Um, I am not a person that lives by fear. I wear a faith ring every day. You can't see it, but... I live by faith, not by fear. And so Mm -hmm. things like that don't scare me. Um, I trusted my surgeon in her hands and knew my, you know, the biggest thing I had on my mind was my kidneys. Can my kidneys handle the drugs from the surgery? And I asked her and she said, we think you'll be fine. So I put it in God's hands. He's going to get me through this. I'm going to wake up and be fine. And I will tell you, my story is not the typical one. But I felt 90% better within 24 hours. Most women, it's not that fast. I'll use that as a disclaimer. Most women, it is not that fast. But I credit it to, I did so much legwork before with all those natural paths. And the red light therapy and the sweating and, you know, trying to do anything I could to detoxify and get my gut health in check. Can you tell me um, about red light therapy? Just explain it. Sure. So I use um, the Joyos brand. It's a panel of both red and near infrared lights. And it helps your cells on a, a, well, on a cellular level. So it can help them detoxify. It helps reduce inflammation. It has a lot of other benefits that I wasn't using it for like it boosts collagen in your skin it can reduce like pigmentation from the sun things like that 
but I got the one specifically that had the near infrared because it has more internal benefits to it. Um, I was so toxic that when I first got it, they recommend that you do 10 minutes on the front side of your body and 10 minutes on the back. I did that and I wasn't able to go to the bathroom for three days because it pulled so <laughs> yeah, You see my eyes, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Bathroom is important. Wait, what? You were constipated? Yeah. Why? Because it pulled so many toxins out of my cells and tissues into my elimination pathway, your colon. Everybody's like, no. Yeah, that's how toxic I was. So I contacted the company and they said some people that are, you know, they said it nicely, but some people that are more toxic. And here I am like a healthy person. I mean, people like look around, like you look at me and people are like, oh, she's fit. She eats healthy. Like you wouldn't think I was that toxic, but I was. Um, I had to start with two minutes front and back for three days. So I had to do two minutes, the next day, two minutes, the next day, two minutes. Yeah. Then after the third day, I would jump up to three minutes. So it took me three and a half weeks to build up to the normal <laughs> rate of 10 minutes per side. That's a good, that's a good tip for people. And while you were doing this red light therapy, what, what else were you doing? Just, I was seeing that natural path yeah. that had done blood work and he was trying to clean up my gut. So he gave me some things for like SIBO, small intestine, bacterial overgrowth, um, candida in your gut. It was, it was all the same pill, but it, uh, he said it would kill off parasites too, if I had any parasites. So that actually really helped my gut health. And I felt like helped me clear out a lot of stuff that I had been struggling with, which was candida, bloating, gas, discomfort, things like that. Um, so I think working on the gut health first mm-hmm. had really helped. And then he also was helping me eliminate things. So eliminating things in my diet, which again, I eat very healthy, but he was trying to, my, my body was so sensitive. Right. I was because I had all these food sen- sensitivities, like a new one every week. So he was trying to help me through the sensitivities of, okay, t- take away all your supplements and you have to add, you, you can add in one and try it for two days. And if you feel okay, then that one's okay. And you can try and add in another one. But the body is so amazing because it's saying it's locking down. It's protecting itself. It's saying, okay, look, we have to be ultra sensitive here because stuff is not working the way it's supposed to. Yes. I became so sensitive. And that's another really common symptom of women is they get so many food sensitivities and they get left with like, what do I eat now? And I had it down to seven foods that I could eat. So I ate the same seven foods. List them off for me. What are they? I ate differently at the time because I didn't know about medical medium, but I think it was like avocado, chicken, um, broccoli, chia seeds. (laughs) 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 And I don't know what the other one was, but it was very, I couldn't eat anything with multiple ingredients because I wouldn't know if I reacted to one of the ingredients. So there's no protein shakes. There's no bars. There's no sauces. Everything was plain, plain, plain because I needed to know everything that was in it so that I would know if I had, because I would get a reaction where my heart would start racing again because my body just couldn't process it. And as I came closer and closer to my explant date, I was getting more and more food sensitivities. I started to become um, allergic to the almonds 
I couldn't eat those anymore. So I switched to pumpkin seeds, then pumpkin seeds was out. And I was like, what am I going to eat? Like I'm running out of things that are working for me. That's, that's just overwhelming. (laughs) The whole process was completely overwhelming. Yeah. I just, I don't even know what to say. Like that's not even living. Right. And I'm not talking, um, you know, I never went to a doctor to have them do the scrape test on my back for food sensitivities. By food sensitivity, I mean something that would either make my kidney swell or my heart race or my gut get really distended. Just to me, that was the sensitivity that it sent off one of my reactive points that made me feel very, very ill. But your gut knew anyways. You know, the gut bloats. And if you put it into like more of a metaphysical perspective or whatever, then the gut is basically saying, hey, (laughs) stop. Listen to your gut. Listen to your gut, right? Like, And this is definitely a a topic that you and I could cover maybe on another day, but it makes so much sense to me now that I understand what the medical medium talks about because I was eating mostly a low carb keto type uh, diet back then, which, you know, the doctors say are anti-inflammatory and I had inflammation, right? But what I have now learned from Anthony Williams, the medical medium is that my liver was already struggling with all these toxins And your liver works extra hard with fat and protein. And that's all I was eating. So here, a struggling organ, I'm giving it, you know, the foods that are going to make it struggle more. And that's what was making my heart race. Okay. Um, Then you have your surgery. And what happened? I was 90% better the next day. Um, you, you come out of surgery with drains. You'll have them for usually three to seven days. And most women lay in bed and they're sore and, you know, maybe they usually still don't feel well. Uh, the next day was a Saturday. My surgery was on a Friday. I woke up at 4.30 a.m., full of energy and ready to go about my day. I ended up, uh, I, I did rest. I know you're supposed to rest after surgery. So I did rest most of the day. By, by the afternoon, getting into the early evening, I felt so good. I took a shower by myself, which a lot of women need help. Mm. Um, took a shower by myself. I washed my hair. I curled my hair. I put my makeup on. And I put on a button-down shirt that was baggy enough that you couldn't see my drains, you know, attached to my little lanyard that I had holding them. And I said, let's go to church. So I went to church with my drains and, <laughs> and everything. I felt like... A new person. I just, I couldn't even, I could not even fathom or imagine that I could feel that good because I couldn't remember the last time I did feel that good. Wow. I don't know if I ever felt that good. (laughs) It was probably when I was a teenager and, you know, we're not super healthy as teens. So I really question, I'm like, have I ever felt this good in my life? That is so cool. (laughs) <laughs> it's not the norm. That's not what happens. No, it isn't people. the norm. Uh, yet it gives hope. Because because maybe it's not the norm. Maybe as a listener, you're saying, okay, well, you know, I definitely was three weeks in recovery. Okay, great. Three, four, however long it takes. But what you're sparking here is you're saying, look, 
you will feel better. You will feel better because you will not have the symptoms of this. If the if the surgeon is taking out the capsule, if they're taking out everything and they're not leaving anything behind and you begin to detox yourself, you will bring your body back into health. And one of the things that I hear what you're saying is that it's the mindset as well that accompanies this process that can expedite healing, uh, um, more energy, and just a general rejuvenation. Yeah, um, you know, I was at peace with my decision um, that morning. I was excited to do it. I'm very thankful. I have a loving and supportive husband, so that wasn't a factor for me. However, not all women can say the same, and I can see why that would weigh on their mind very heavily. Um, but yeah, I just, I was blown away. I was blown away. And I think why I felt that good is because I lived a healthy lifestyle. I was an active person. Like I said, I did all that leg work with the red light therapy and kind of working on my gut health to the best of my ability at the time. Um, and so my, my body was able to kind of bounce back and, and heal a little bit faster than some. And, and everybody's going to be different because everybody's liver is in a different state or a different condition. So mine still had a lot of work to do, but all of my symptoms were gone except um, the food sensitivities remained, but they improved already. Like the morning after my surgery, I had a green drink that I couldn't tolerate before and I was able to drink it. But food sensitivities, you know, it takes your gut a while to get back in balance. So I knew that was going to be a couple months, but I saw it steadily improving. Whereas now I can have anything that I ate before. And then what was the other thing? The food. Um, oh, my kidneys. My kidneys were so much better, but they were, I felt like they were still not where they should be for a normal healthy person. What did you do? Um, did you go back and talk to your naturopath or a nutritionist? How did you, what would you recommend? I waited three months till after my explant date and I went back to my naturopath and had him do labs. Again, my thyroid had, all my thyroid numbers were normal. Everything was normal. Everything. Three months afterwards. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, so can we talk about... Like, you said something in the green room that I thought was really cool. You said, um, existence is the miracle. The sooner we accept it and create a life to be congruent, the better. And I thought that was really cool because you, you are now in reflection saying, I'm just happy to be alive and I'm happy to be here to offer my myself to this world as a service what can I give now how can I be you know what do you say to people who are moving into acceptance and and or to those who have accepted it what what can people be inspired by I think the best way to inspire them is to just share my story so Obviously, that's why I'm doing it here. I have been very vocal about it on my social media accounts. 
Uh, it's something that some women have a hard time with, maybe one they don't want to admit to the world or their friends and family that didn't even know that they had implants, that they had them, they were sick, and now they're out. It's a very personal topic that's not really easy to talk about. Um, but I didn't let the shame or the fear hold me back because I know there's women out there like me that are searching for answers. And I'll tell you, I there's been so many women, I don't know how many, but so many women that have reached out to me and said, thank you, Julie, for sharing your story because I had no idea what's wrong with me. And now I, my explant date is this. And so that makes it worth it, right? To put the embarrassment aside of like, oh, I have to talk about this right. on my social media account. But that that's what's made me so passionate about it is I know there's women like me that are searching for answers and they haven't found them. And so maybe I can give them that hope show them how well I'm doing and show them that they're not crazy and there is a reason why you're sick. And and would you say earlier on in our conversation, you said we'll talk about the root of the problem. So, I mean, the root of the problem being the implant. You can fix a lot of the aftermath symptoms like your liver being toxic or swollen or inflamed like mine kidneys, gut issues, thyroid issues. There's a lot you can do to help all those things, but you're just holding it together with some glue. You know, it's eventually going to crack again. It's just a matter of time. And when, when somebody says, like you said in your, with your story that you, you got implants because it was a symmetry. It was what the, in that time in your life, it was uh, bodybuilding or sculpting. Uh, yeah, fitness competitions fitness. or figure. Right. The so sy the symmetry? Yes. For other people, it's other things. Mm -hmm. Would you say that the motivation to get an implant is irrelevant? No, it's very relative. Very relative to a lot of women. Um, and you would ask me my advice. This was my other piece of advice. The process is long to get there, to get to your explant date. Um, and I don't mean on the calendar. It's, it's really a process of learning self-love again. Hmm. It's, it goes very deep. And like I said, <laughs> it gets me emotional. Um, not everyone is ready to hear it. And so when I talk to somebody that's at that point, I honor them for mm -hmm. that. I don't try to say, well, open up your ears and listen. No. It, I can't, you can't force it on anybody. It's a process that they have to go through. They have to emotionally get there, whether that means they're going to get more sick or something's going to happen. Um, they have to emotionally go through that process because you can't, just like anything in life, you can't just skip steps and expect it to work out right. So it's a journey and it, to shorten it, it's really a journey of learning self-love Wow! and learn. So that when you get to that date, it doesn't even matter anymore because you've come so far and been through so much that all you are when you wake up from your surgery is grateful. That's the only thing that's on your mind. That is so profound. Self-love for you what if you could be vulnerable with us 
when you engaged with that, what did that, what did that feel like for you? Was it just like, like, what were the thoughts that created a deeper awareness to go, oh, I need to look at this self-love? It wasn't that I didn't love myself. Right. I was a personal trainer. I work in a very um, wealthy area that I would compare to Hollywood. It's like a mini Hollywood. There's a lot of plastic surgery. There's a lot of perfect looking people. I was a figure competitor. They judge you on your perfection of your symmetry and everything about how you look. I mean, you're judged on your hair, your skin, the condition of your body and your symmetry. And it's easy to get wrapped up in that over the course of years. You know, it wasn't just a one day process. It's, it became like a continual perfection of, I want to look my best, the absolute best I possibly can. But there, I, being perfect is literally impossible. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, there's an impossible, it's impossible version of perfect. It does not exist. Sure. And when you're going through that process, a lot of that is physical things and you're losing your sense of self. You're losing touch with what's important, <laughs> honestly. Not that I gave up all those things and became a horrible person. I still love my husband. I love my children. We love God. But you just like lose the attachment to your heart chakra, to who you really are in your soul. What it means to be you, why you're important to this world. It was more just an external view of life versus looking inward. And when you're stripped of everything, anyone in any situation can tell you this. If you're stripped of everything, it gives you a new light. And I wasn't stripped of everything. I was stripped of my implants. But it it took away that perfection factor for me and allowed me to get in touch with who is Julie? Who was I birthed to be? You know, I, I strive to be a, a great mom and a great wife and, and spread the word about Jesus. So those are the three most important things to me. And it's funny because after the surgery, I didn't want to wear makeup. I went through this whole thing. I used to wear this necklace every single day for like 10 years that said namaste. Namaste means the light in me honors and sees the light in you. Right. Because that's what I live by. That's what I believe. It's a beautiful necklace. But when you go to surgery, you have to take off all your jewelry, right? So I took off my necklace, my earrings and stuff like that. And I felt so pure after that surgery, I couldn't even put my jewelry back on. I still to this day have not put that necklace back on. It just, it's like I wanted simplicity. I didn't want to wear makeup. I didn't want to wear jewelry. I just wanted to experience the new me in my raw state of this is me without anything on me that's covering me up. This is who I am. There's you know? nothing blocking me from the flow that is in the center of my being. Yes. I wanted nothing external to change as I was trying to rediscover who I was. And and would you say that that you this whole self-love or this idea and concept of self-love pushed you into that place where you were you moved into a rediscovery yes definitely and it helps not having the brain fog because I couldn't process 
all of these thoughts before. Your brain is so clouded. Like you can barely like focus on the one thing that you need to get done. But without all the brain fog, all this light starts coming into your head and into your heart that you're like, I'm so aware. I'm so present. And then, you know, I feel like it's been pushed down for years. It just starts flowing out. And I just started posting and I had all these like inspiring things come back up that I just wanted to say and get out there. In fact, one of them was a memory on Facebook today. Um, it just, I felt so full of words and inspiration and love and light that needed to come out because it had been suppressed for so long. You know, I've off, I, I talk a lot about, you know, the story we tell ourselves and how the story we tell ourselves there sometimes is a gap to the reality, right? And for some, that story is, I'm not, I need to be perfect. I, I need to present perfect. And it comes from interactions and experiences that we all have in our lifetime that accumulate and they sit in different places of our 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 mind and our spirit and our body and and a lot of times words gossip the way people see us interactions conversations are like these like little pieces of conversation they go down into the inside of who you are and sometimes it can create an idea or a belief that you are not good enough that what you have been given is not good enough. And that is the story that removes you from the reality that you are created. There is beauty within every single woman on this planet. And, and this idea of self-love runs so deep in all of us doesn't matter. Like, why this is important, Julie, is because, like you said, on the outside, you look amazing by all standards. You've got these pipes. You've got, you know what I mean? Like, you, you present, and it's noticed, and we see. And you're saying, but I, there was a piece of self-love here that I was missing. <laughs> That's powerful. It, and it wasn't that I felt like, I guess, yeah, you have to kind of be missing a piece of self-love. I didn't look at it that way, though. It's like... You were disconnected I, from it. Yeah. It's not that you're missing. I misspoke. It's more of a... Uh, the story that you tell yourself doesn't yeah. line with the reality of what self-love is. It's like there's yeah. a difference. But then in the, in the years that pass... <laughs> you really start to lose, I guess, the, the focus or the um, yeah priority of really what you're looking at. Because like you said, you can never be perfect. So yeah. you, you just keep striving for more. At least I did. Um, so I was always a perfectionist in every way. And sure. it's kind of like helped me just rid of all that and just be at peace with a lot of things. How I look, how I do things. <laughs> it's just, it brings you so much peace when you're not, always striving for perfection in some way. Can you talk to the woman who who 
um, looks at herself now who, you know, takes the drains out and she looks at herself and she says, how can I be enough? How can I be enough? How can my husband or my partner love me now that I don't look like this anymore? You can't expect them, you can't expect anyone to love you if you don't love yourself. So that was an important piece for me. I knew that I had to be at peace with myself and feel confident, even though I may, it it was like a game in the beginning. Like I'm not confident about how I look, but I need to, I need to work on getting there. Because if I don't feel confident about myself, how can I expect my husband to love me? You know, it's a soul connection. So someone that's going through that, they have to do the soul work, the leg work, yeah. you know, to work on who they are now. They're a new person. And how to heal those old wounds, how to, how to learn how to love yourself so that other people can perceive you as whole and, and love you for your soul. Because it's not about our bodies, right? It's, it's our souls. Well, and, and, and you're talking about, you know, this idea of choosing yourself first. Right. And a lot of women in this world, and this is the conversation that if anybody is out there that identifies this, with this, write in. We can do a show on this because here's the thing. We all, we all have an idea of what we should be socially, you know, image-wise, all of it. As a mother, as a, as a partner, we have this message that's been sent to us that tells us this is the box, this is where you fit. And, and in here, sometimes it doesn't fit to say, I choose myself. Because what part of motherhood, as you have twins, <laughs> like let's be real, what part of motherhood with twin boys says, I need to choose me first. You know what? I talk to my personal training clients about this almost on a daily basis. As they're spending an hour of their day with me at the gym and feeling guilty about it. And I would always tell them, Hmm. giving yourself this one hour of time will make the other 23 hours so much better. Hmm. Because if you take care of yourself first and you fill up your tank and give you what you need, you're able to give to others better. Maybe not, I don't want to say the word more because it doesn't mean you have to give more, but you can give them the best version of you. If you neglect yourself and the self-love and the self-care, running yourself down because you're always putting other people first, they're not getting your best. So it's important, you know, to take, even if it's 30 minutes, but I, you know, at the time I would say one hour a day, it's one hour a day for you so that you can be your best self for all the other people that need you. And so I still do that. Even when the boys were born and I was given the clearance to work out, but I couldn't take them to the gym yet. I would do like little home workouts in my house because it's just clears your mind. It, you know, revives you. It gives you energy. It's something for you so that I can give the, to them the rest of the day. And, and, other ways that that you can, other than exercise, that you can give yourself um, just a moment, right? Is just there's there's many many ways, and we can talk about sure. that, right? Like sure. 
I always go to exercise because that's what I did. (laughs) So many things. You could take some time to journal. You could, you know, listen to music. You could go take a bath. You could give yourself a facial. Anything that you do that you enjoy, that's for you. It doesn't have to be exercise. That's just my go-to. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 but it's, but the idea is, to be thinking about choosing yourself. And when you close off that heart chakra, you're not, you're giving and you are not receiving. That is the whole concept of that give and that, and that receiving. You're giving out the outflow of your heart source. The outflow of that energy is just I'm going to pour out and I'm going to spill all my life force energy out to everyone else. But there's nothing left for my temple. And I, I, I've come into that awareness over these years. Now that I'm 44, I look at myself and my body and I say, you know what? This is a temple. And, yeah. and my job is to, is to decorate the inside of this temple with love and grace and forgiveness and it's it's the most valuable most treasured um emotions and feelings and thoughts dwell in this place and when you begin to think and to transform that mindset of it's not this rundown uh apartment <laughs> it's an it's a temple yeah. and it needs to be filled with this beauty then you begin to feel like, oh, I can choose that. I can choose myself now. It doesn't mean that you're going to have a six-pack and pipes and all that. It means that in the present, in that moment where you have a second, when you choose you, it changes the, what you offer to the world and the people around you. So true. And when you view your body as a temple, it will instantly make you think differently about the choices that you make of what you're putting in it. You know, and it's not about your six pack or guns or whatever. It's about this is my vessel that I was given for this lifetime and I want to take care of it. So I'm going to feed it well. I'm going to drink well. And you know what, Julie? We talked about this. The thing that keeps coming back through our conversation, part of sustaining a temple is to use the intuitive power that needs to be exercised. Like nobody, and let's just remind people, you aren't gifted with intuition. Everybody's got it. Correct. It, It is how much you use it. That's the key here. And when you move into a place of choosing yourself or self-love, that opens the heart. It opens the body to receive a level of understanding and awakening. Yes, very much so. It is a muscle. It's a muscle that we can't see. But the more you use it, the stronger it gets. But you heard it come to you. You termed it as God. You said it, there was God, God whispered in my ear. And you had to 
develop that muscle. It was like, no, 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 that, that, <laughs> no, right? It, it was something that over time needed to happen. I wouldn't say my muscle is very strong in that sense, but I, I definitely hear it when it needs to be heard. Um, well, I had told you on our previous discussion, heard it loud and cl- clear when I was supposed to marry my husband. So he gets v- louder and very vocal with me when it's like, okay, I need you to listen. And I don't always ignore it, but just on that, the breast implant thing, I chose to ignore it. But yeah, I've been guided a lot in my life. Why did you choose to ignore it, Julie? I wasn't ready to hear it. But what, but is there, can you give me another answer outside of, I wasn't ready to hear it? Or is that really the answer that just is the answer? answer. I want, I didn't want that to be the answer. I wanted to keep looking with the doctors and their labs and their scans and their tests to try to prove that it was something else. Is this a message that you hear people talking about a lot? Like, is this something that the women in this, in this group are talking about? They try to prove everything else. We all, almost all of us have every lab scan and test done trying to prove this was the cause, not my implant. Because it's, it's, it's they cost it's like a lot to put in, right? Like, yeah. And then how much does it cost to take out? Between six and 10 grand, depending on your area, the doctor, what they do, if you get a lift or not. It costs more to get them taken out than it does to get them put in. And it's a more extensive surgery. It's about a two hour surgery without a lift just to get everything out. Wow. My biohazard bag. (laughs) (laughs) And she pulls out a biohazard bag. (laughs) Do you just carry those around in your back pocket? (laughs) I dug them out of my drawer. Okay, for those of you that are not watching this, (laughs) Julie just pulled out her breast implants that are in a biohazard bag. <laughs> Rightfully so. Ah, oh, that's, that is just priceless. But for those of you viewing it, you know, this is an interesting factor. So mine were in perfect condition. I have them right here. They're clear. There's nothing growing in them. Uh, they're becoming deflated now as they've been out of my body for a year. They're losing water, but... Mine were saline, and a lot of people say, oh, yours must have had mold. You must have had fungus growing in there. And I'm like, there's nothing in here. It's just saline water. So I like to have them for that reason. Just hold it up, like, so we can all look. Like, right, yeah. Nothing growing in there. Perfectly clear. And you're touching them. (laughs) It's really weird. I'm like, I remember how heavy these felt. They changed my posture a lot. Here's the other one. The other one's in great condition as well. Perfectly clear. Nothing in there. Oh, yeah. Some women have mold growing in theirs. Rightfully so, they're sick. But I... Mold? Like mold in the actual capsule? In the implant. Implant. The ones that have saline, sometimes they'll take them out and they'll, they'll be black. Women have mold growing inside of them. Yeah. It, and is that because, um, what, okay, <laughs> why? 
do is it didn't seal right. So here's the seal. Mine probably has a little bit of mold. I don't know. Can you see it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I can see so the seal. So it has something to do with the sealant. Maybe it was, it was faulty, a faulty valve or something, but then things start to grow because it's not sealed right. So not necessarily the doctor's fault. I mean, it can be a manufacturer fault too, but... I gotta close my mouth. <laughs> yeah. And that's the saline, which they dub safe, but they're not because they have the silicone shell, which is the part that's doing the damage to your body. So they're all really the same unless you're talking about a leak. If you have silicone and you have a leak, well, now we have a bigger problem because now you have silicone going into your lymph nodes. If you have saline, and you don't have mold in your saline. Um, yes, you're just losing water. But if you compare them side by side with no ruptures, no leaks, they're one and the same because they both have the silicone shell, which has 40 different chemicals, including heavy metals. Right. It is made from something. Yeah. And so it would have I'm to have, it would have to consist of other things that are not biodegradable and organic because it has to sustain its position and all of that. Oh. For 10 years. They're supposed to last 10 years. So yes, it has to withstand the temperature of your body and all the other things. I don't know, your immune system, it has to be strong enough to not let your body break it down for 10 years. But what the medical medium says, like I said in the beginning, the minute that you get to put in, your liver starts to break it down. And this is the interesting part. There's, it will break it down to the point, not that you'll, you know, I didn't get a leak, it, but it starts to make these little tiny, tiny microscopic holes because your body is, your liver, your liver's enzymes are trying to break this down. It is not natural. And so where does all that go? You know, as it starts to make these minute holes, you're releasing the toxic chemicals and the heavy metals into your bloodstream. Um, and so if you have a leak, I mean, you're not, you're not a doctor. We know, like, everybody. Right. Okay. Uh, but let's just, for sake of this conversation. So if you have a leak, then it sort of, it begins to deflate? Yeah. If I had a leak, it would have deflated. Yeah. And then you'd have to go and get uh, a new one. Yeah. The problem with the silicone ones is your capsule, the scar tissue again, that forms around the implant, a lot of times mimics the shape. So what happens is women have no idea that their silicone has ruptured, that it's traveling into their lymph nodes and causing damage. And even an MRI might not pick it up because the shape is intact from the capsule. So they don't know that they had a rupture until it is fully out, the capsule is cut open, and they get to see the implant. And they're like, I had no idea I had a rupture. I had an MRI, it was fine. And that's why I'm so sick or whatever, right? You've got a, you've got a leak. Had silicone blowing throughout their whole body. You cannot feel a rupture. Huh. Not in most cases, maybe a major rupture, but sure. a lot of them 
since no one has any idea. Like if you got in an accident or something, then, then you know, that might be. Yes. Yeah. But most of the time, no, they can't feel it. I read something that someone wrote as I was doing my research, and I thought it was really cool. She was um, talking about the feeling of, from her um, perspective, not feeling as much of a woman after because the 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 curve or the that line is is gone and and i read that her husband said um you are more of a woman to follow intuition than to ignore it when she was upset and saying look at me look at what look and he was like no no like the strength lies within that ability to hear and to listen it's not for everyone right like not everyone is going to have this problem um but if you are experiencing some things that you just can't get away from this is a conversation to have and it is something to look into and see i beg to differ because i believe everyone i love that differ away (laughs) (laughs) well there's no way unless you are superwoman and robotic there is no way that your is your body is so strong that it can withhold and not be affected by 40 different chemicals including heavy metals that were meant to be a pesticide killer there's no way you're human okay you got you got me there you got me there all I'm saying uh-huh. is people have symptoms whether they acknowledge them or not. But I guarantee you could take any person and take their implants out and some form of their health would improve. So I'm just saying most people, it's not that it's not going to affect everyone. It's a matter of time and what they are willing to recognize as a symptom because it will affect everyone but the degrees are going to be much different depending on their immune system, their liver, what viruses and bacteria they already had to begin with. But you have to be a robot or a wonder woman to not be affected by chemical soup. Chemical soup. All right. Let's, uh, let's give our listeners and viewers a takeaway. What, can we go three takeaways from, from what you know? <sighs> You're not crazy. Listen to your intuition and drink celery juice. <laughs> everything, right? So no, I do. I know. I would say that. And I would say... To, because I listen to you, look, I'm the first one to say, I do not have experience with this. I am, I am literally a passenger on this train. I am not, I I do not understand. Uh, I have not had breast implants and I do not understand uh, what you are going through um, or anything like that. But I resonate with everything that you're saying. I just, I, I get it. And it's, like I have nothing to uh, 
add from a personal experience, but but this powerful thing that you're talking about that I'm picking up on, self-love, choosing yourself, and listening to your intuition, and drinking celery juice. <laughs> and drink celery juice. And okay, I have one but, thing. But just on the celery juice thing, I if you don't have a juicer, then use uh, a blender with a nut bag, like uh, and pour it in cheesecloth and just strain it out and drink not, it. What? Uh, add water to the blender. Very important. I add a little bit. It's really bitter. <laughs> Don't put the leaves in. The leaves is what makes it bitter. Water makes the juice not work. What? You cannot, you cannot add water or ice cubes. Okay, hold up. Wait. <laughs> I gotta read I, this again. I read the books. He's, I thought, okay. I thought so what you do, if you don't have a, um, a juicer, you put a little bit, maybe not all of your celery right away, you put a little bit in the bottom of your blender, no water, no ice, no lemon, no anything else, just the celery stalks. The leaves are what make it bitter, so if you don't want the bitterness, do not put the leaves. Blend it up to get it going, and then add the rest of your celery. Get it as blended as you can, and then you pour it through the cheesecloth or the nut milk bag to get all the fiber because it's important that the fiber is removed. I, I've argued with so many people with their freeze-dried celery, and I'm like, freeze-dried celery has the fiber, and the fiber makes it not work. So it's not working. You can't have powdered celery juice. It does not work because it has fiber and it has water, and those are the two things you can't have. Well, this is really important to me because my intuition, it's so crazy. I said to my daughter, she's 20, I said, why, why does my body not want to drink celery juice? Like I just hit this moment where I'm like, I go to drink it and I'm like, no, my body, it's just like, no, because I put water in it. <laughs> we really needed to talk about this the other day. <laughs> I, I didn't hear that part. I was so excited about the interview. <laughs> we talked about the blender. We were talking about juice. <laughs> You know what? You're right. Julie. God. Well, I'm after here. I'm going. I'm making myself another stuff. Okay. But but then if I'm going to add it with beet juice and all that, like after, that's okay. Yeah. It's not. I mean, it still has health benefits, but it's not going to do the work on your liver and working on the Epstein-Barr virus and those things yes. that cause illnesses and problems to people. It's not going to do that when it has other things with it. I'm not saying it won't still have some vitamins that are sure. good for you. If you're trying to like help your liver, help your immune system, fight off viruses, heal from chronic illnesses, it's got to be plain by itself on an empty stomach. Um, so what were you going to say, Julie? One interesting uh, discovery I made that I would have never thought about was the feeling of hugging someone after they were out. Because we were talking about the heart chakra, right? Yeah. And it's rare over your heart chakra that you can never, like, fully hug someone because you have, like, water balloons in the way. Like, right. Block blocking your heart chakra. So that was something that was pretty profound for me afterwards. I was like, wow, I can, like, really hug my husband heart to heart now. 
and like feel that connection where this I got stuck before. So hugs are a whole new ball game for me now. Something I never knew I was really missing. But it that enhances your heart chakra connection, right? So getting the object off of your heart chakra will allow you to be in more touch with your heart chakra. Which is in touch with your emotion. Yeah. And the act of giving and receiving. This is a lot of information for people and it's going to take time to absorb all of that information for those who are finding themselves with this shared experience. I want to hear other people's stories about this and if people are interested, if you as a listener are interested in diving into uh, this conversation with me, you can go to my website at www.lauriclark.ca. You can click on the button that says, I want to share my story, um, and uh, it will connect you. You can also email at the team at gmail.com. I love your vulnerability. This is not an easy conversation to have. And this is a conversation that you have leaned into. You have had a fierce conversation with yourself and you have done the work and that will pay off because you can and you will inspire others because possibility is for everyone and possibility is endless so thank you for showing up thank you for contributing thank you for being your most wonderful and vulnerable self I appreciate the conversation and and thank you for reminding us that um, perfect is not always possible. You are a gift and I appreciate you so much. Thank you. I look forward to talking to you soon, Laurie. Yes, let's do it.